this is a literature semicolon lockdown edition. <laughs> Welcome back to hell. Yeah, to to the apocalypse. It really is, um, isn't it? We're here to give you some classic literature. To... That's exactly what you need during an apocalypse. You need, yeah. Well, you know, it's to fulfill that bucket list, mm. right? You're like, oh, I wish I read more, and then you can listen to this instead, and, and be like, well, yeah, and kids aren't going to school; they can waste. listen to this. I didn't waste my life. Do you want me to tell you you haven't wasted your life? Is that what you're fishing for? <laughs> no, I feel like we're past that point. So you do feel like you have wasted your life? Like, to an extent. Yes. Yeah, Haven't we all, to we, an extent? We are both in our mid to late 20s, and what do we have? Well, you're married. You, you can't. You have that. You, Does that? Is that an achievement, really? Uh, to society, yes. <laughs> well, speaking of society um, oh, what are you gonna and do? marriage and all sorts of things. Oh my god. Of, of what are you going to lay rules? down? Uh, I was thinking we could lay down um, a little a little summary of The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, published in 1850. Why are we doing a summary when we're doing the whole book? Sam, what I do is a summary. Like, I'm not <laughs> reading you the book. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I do. <laughs> I so know that. Um, so some of the chapters in Moby Dick aren't just whatever wailing. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. <laughs> I was like, it's like self-aware, you know. <laughs> it's really cool of him. <laughs> oh my god, call me Ishmael. Yeah, whatever. But um, <laughs> all right, let's do Easy A, starring Emma Stone. Is okay, Stanley so Tucci after... in this? Yeah, yeah, we can cast her. No, it's Stanley Tucci in the book. Oh, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, we can cast him, Thank too. Thank God. Why not? Yeah. Um, so after a framing device where the narrator, who's not Nathaniel Hawthorne, but you know who is Nathaniel Hawthorne, um, is working at a customs house in, I believe, Salem, Ooh. Massachusetts, Witch. in the 1800s, <gasps> he finds in the custom house uh, an old embroidered letter A. Ooh. Um, ah. <laughs> and so then the story proper opens with the image of a rose bush growing outside a prison door. Oh. So, it's a, so now we're back in the 17th century in Boston, so the 1600s. Oh, God. Um, back when, like, about 12 people lived there. Oh, my goodness. Is, are the Wahlbergs half of them? <laughs> yeah, the first Boston. Wahlberg. <laughs> hey, you see that letter A? Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh my goodness! Okay, have you seen the Demi Moore all... one? Wait, 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 Sam! I have a better idea than Stanley Tucci. Why don't we cast just Boston actors <laughs> in every role? Chris Evans is a Bostonite. Is you know? he really? Yeah, if you can hear it in his when he's yeah. on, he's at interviews. He's like, "Yeah, my dad." That's not how he sounds. We can get oh Ben Affleck and um, who? Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. I always say Affleck. I don't know why. I know. It's really disarming. It's like, who the fuck is... <laughs> like, amoral or asymptomatic if it starts with an A. <laughs> How do you say aardvark? Like, there used to be a guy called Fleck. <laughs> e ben Fleck, Fleck who he wasn't. So they were like, he's Ben Affleck. <laughs> a singular Fleck. <laughs> yes, my father, the Fleck. Um... <laughs> Mr. Fleck, that's my father. <laughs> Call me Ben. <laughs> When's the A coming? Um... I don't know. Oh, and um, Matt Damon. Matt Damon, the Wahlberg. Well. Um, so right. is wait, 
is we're in Boston. Which Wahlberg is Emma Stone? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's. I'll, I'll keep going, and then as as we as more is revealed to us, you can. Okay. Have you seen you the Demi Moore it. version, the one where she apparently takes a lot of baths? <laughs> no, but that sounds great. <laughs> According to Easy A, <laughs> that's that movie. <laughs> She just takes Amazing. a lot of baths, and I'm like, you know what? Good for her. Good for her. It that was it was hard back then. Cleanliness wasn't easy. It really wasn't. Like I'm so glad we live in an age of showers, and mm, yeah, and like people not Hair throwing masks. poop down like out of the window. Yeah. True. 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 Okay. So this prison in Boston. Boston. The prison's door is heavy oak and studded with iron spikes. The narrator says no matter how optimistic they started out as a colony, they managed to make use of a prison and a cemetery almost immediately. Good for them. <laughs> so, you know, as as Puritan as they are, we still got death, we still got sin. Puritans, oh my god. It's like we're doing the Vivitch, but we're... In- we genuinely are doing the Vivitch a little bit. Yes! Um, you'll see. Oh my god. <laughs> you'll see a bit more Sexy black Philip here too. Black there Lauberg. is a crowd of somber people in drab colors gathered around the place to watch a woman emerge from the prison door and ascend the scaffold with a baby in her arms. Oh, God. The woman is tall and noble looking. She has shiny black hair. The narrator makes a point of noting, which is impressive enough, but especially so in this world where they don't have keratin masks. Did you write that down? I, I swear, Nathaniel... No, that was Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote down keratin masks. Yeah, he was like, they didn't have them back then. Cassandra Widow, are like you cashitting me? I'm cashitting. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> keratin masks. Nathaniel Hawthorne's from 1850. They put, like, eggs in their hair back then. Yeah. So this woman's name is Hester Prynne, and she wears upon her chest the letter A, embroidered in scarlet and gold. Scarlet letter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's apparently really intricate, elaborate embroidery, which the townswomen criticize because it's almost like she's proud of it by, by putting all this effort <laughs> into embroidering it. So from the murmurings and the gossip of the crowd, we learn that the A stands for adulterer and that the child in her arms is illegitimate, which is a super big deal for Puritans who don't even approve of dancing. Okay, that doesn't happen in Easy A, but whatever. No, I don't think Easy A is based on this. <laughs> it just references it, I guess. It is so based on this. <laughs> um, so apparently Hester's husband was meant to go, or was meant to come from Europe later. Like he sent her on ahead while he like finished up. <laughs> Wrapped up the country. Yep. <laughs> um, but he never came. He could have um, died. Business, husband things. Um, but he never came back. And so a lot of people presume he was drowned at sea. However, no confirmation of that with no confirmation of that fact, Hester's still technically married. Oh, uh, right? that's rude. He's dead. Um, so dead. where's the baby come from? Um, just around. <laughs> around. Did Alana tell you she saw a baby wrapped in like a brown paper bag? <laughs> 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 like it was like a souvlaki. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that's that baby. It's just wrapped oh in God. a paper bag. <laughs> How small was that baby? Or was it a big paper bag? <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> was it wasn't. Not Alana. even like a towel. Towels aren't expensive. <laughs> That's just. And it was wrapped in foil too, <laughs> like a hot potato. Lettuce. And it was a baby, and it just had like a. Are you sure it was a baby and not a chicken? <laughs> it had like butter on its head. 
<laughs> Guys, I had the scariest dream about a baby getting baked in an oven. Oh, People shit. were gonna eat that baby. And then it was like all trussed up like a chicken. And they took it out and they're like patting the crispy skin. It was like a suckling pig. And they were like, oh, oh that's not done enough. Put it back in. And I'm just like, uh, uh. <laughs> like, I can't. It was so scary. That oh, is my goodness. Scary. But um, I, I guess, dream. I don't know. Babies apparently are the best to eat because they're just fresh and delicious. But Yeah, they call that little, the other, other white meat. At what cost? <laughs> like emotionally, at what cost? Well, I was going to say like pretty cheap because you can just make them. Make them from scratch. Yeah, yeah. It takes a while though. No, it's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> it takes a while. Okay, so That's where did the baby the come the from? Oven. Um, Are you drunk? <laughs> no. I didn't even bring up my flask. Oh, <laughs> no. Downstairs. So the beetle, who I guess is like the law person, I was going to look up what job the beetle was. Uh, Sweeney Todd. It's like, beetle, beetle, beetle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. Um, he calls for Hester to stand forward, and he calls for a blessing on the righteous colony of Massachusetts, where iniquity is dragged out into the sunshine. So that's nice. Hester remembers her parents standing in front of their home in rural England. So she's a first generation Bostonian. She's a pilgrim. Um, She also remembers a misshapen scholar much older than herself who she married and followed to Europe. So that's her dead husband. husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In her reminiscences, she unknowingly squeezes the child in her arms really hard, calling the baby to cry out. So she's kind of like dissociating. (laughs) She's just like. (laughs) yeah oh my god that Um, poor baby in a paper bag (laughs) in the crowd um at the back talking to a native american man hester spots her husband whoa i know whoa whoa where did he come from england dressed in a weird combination of european and native american clothing implying that he's been having a bunch of adventures while they've been apart too oh my god he's been pocahontasing all the while she's been like in jail in rose jail (laughs) he makes a gesture to her that she should not reveal his identity and which i imagine to be like the neck cutting (laughs) motion or like like this is like or like (laughs) the finger on the nose or like the pointing at the eyes and then (laughs) or just like (laughs) (laughs) one one of those Anyway. I think he actually said, but I don't remember. He then turns to a stranger. So we kind of go, the camera pans over to him. And he turns to a stranger in the crowd to ask about her crime and punishment. explaining <laughs> What did she do? <laughs> <laughs> he's been a captive of the Native Americans and has only just arrived in Boston. All right. All right. So, yeah. Um, so they tell him the whole story. The stranger tells him Hester is the wife of a learned Englishman. And had been living with him in Amsterdam when he decided to emigrate to America. And he's like, I know, I know, get to the good stuff. <laughs> he's like, I know, but don't ask me how I know. Just, <laughs> um, the learned man sent Hester to America first and remained behind to settle his affairs. We went over this, but he never joined Hester in Boston. He remarks that Hester's husband must have been foolish to think he could keep a young wife happy. Ah. And he asks the stranger about the baby daddy, if, if anybody knows who he is. Stranger Anybody saying, know whose baby that is? <laughs> I'm just wondering as an impartial person with n- no connection at all to no this woman. No. Um, the stranger says nobody knows. Hester won't spill the beans. Um, and because of that, she has to stand on the scaffold for three hours and wear the A for the rest of her life. 
Uh. Now, the town fathers sitting in judgment on Hester are, one, the paternal governor, Bellingham, two, the wise and old Reverend Wilson, and three, the young, delicate Reverend Dimmersdale. The three Wahlberg brothers. <laughs> I don't know who the third one is. The non-famous um, The one. young, delicate Reverend is renowned for his eloquence and a religious fervor among the town. It's his job to demand that Hester reveal the identity of the father of the child. She says only that the child's heavenly father will take care of her um, and she'll never have an earthly one. Oh. So he, like, lets it go. Um, Old Reverend Wilson then steps in and delivers a condemnatory sermon on sin, uh, frequently referring to Hester's scarlet letter. (laughs) He's just like, all right, I'm not going to say who. (laughs) Someone sinned. Not pointing any fingers. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> my God. Imagine being Puritan. Just fucking Imagine. sucks. Yeah. Um, and the letter seems to glow to the crowd and burn with infernal fire. But she, pa- ah. she bears it all patiently. I'm hushing the baby when she begins to scream. The baby's a girl. Hester's not screaming. <laughs> She's just hushing the baby. She's screaming. <laughs> Shut up. Be quiet. I- I do like that it's an A because every time it's just like, ah, you know, like that <laughs> peanut butter baby, mm-hmm. the one that's covered in peanut butter. And it's just no. like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> or like batteries, just mm-hmm. a singular A battery. I don't know if that exists. I don't know if that exists either. Maybe mm. if you split open a double A battery, <laughs> that would be one No, because they get smaller, the more A's they are. Oh, what if it's a really big battery? <laughs> I don't know. So after Hester's led back into the prison, she gets a visitor. It's her husband. Oh, great. So he's taken on the name Roger Chillingworth. Oh my and God. he's here to provide her medical aid. Oh, my God. She initially refuses to drink the medicine he offers. She wonders if it might be poisoned. But he tells her that his real revenge depends on her continuing to live. Um, in the candid conversation that follows, he chastises himself for thinking that as like a misshapen old bookworm, he could keep a beautiful wife happy. <laughs> Is um, he Quasimodo? He... Why did he keep saying misshapen? What's wrong I don't know with what's him? Wrong with him. Um, but he urges her to reveal the identity of her lover, telling her that he will find the dude out anyway, since he's 17th century Sherlock Holmes. Um, she's like, you don't know who that is, but trust me, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> you don't know who that is yet, but uh, that's really going to get the kids later. It's, it's, yeah. It's, good. it's like Marty McFly. <laughs> Guess you're not ready for that, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> when he took, when he was like, black people did not do Invent this. Invent rock and roll, yeah. It was me. <laughs> um, she refuses to tell him, but eventually she does promise not to reveal his identity to anyone in the town. The reasoning he provides is not wanting to be associated with her and known as, like, a cuck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he doesn't want to be cocked. Fair uh, she well, figures he kind of cocked her by not coming back. Yeah, well, yep. She figures it's fair enough, but his demoniacal grin and obvious pleasure at her current tribulations lead her to speculate that he may actually be the black man in disguise, which here, of course, means the devil. Oh, I was like... The black, the dark gentleman, Black Philip. Oh, Black Philip! He wishes he was the sexiest Black Philip. The Vavitch. Everyone, go watch The Vavitch by Roger Eggers. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Robert Eggers. R E. R E. (laughs) Old mate Ray. Ray. 
But just watch the Vavitch. It's so it's so good. It'll give you good. It'll give you a lot of um. For this book, it will give you a lot of like the context of and the feel of the time. You know what's really and funny? And they all talk like that in this. You know, like the little kids going the and thou and stuff. There How is, it is there is actually a um a movie of this book that people can just watch as well. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't seen it, so I can't recommend it. Demi Moore, but good conscience. <laughs> so uh, he might be the devil. After a few months, Ow. Hester is released from prison. Yes. Where's the Several baby? Years pass. Sorry. Where's yeah, the she's baby? There. Oh, she's around. in prison with her ma. Yeah. Uh, all right. Where else is she going to be? Who's going to look after her? The beetle? Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, yes. Several years pass, during which she settles in an old abandoned cabin cabin on the edge of town near the ocean. So it was probably abandoned, the narrator says, because it's impossible to grow crops out there. Mm. But it doesn't matter to Hester because she makes her money by embroidering. Ah. Mm. So although the artistry defies Puritan codes for fashion, burial shrouds, christening gown, and officials' robes are allowed to be like a little bit fancy. So she she does a lot of embroidery for that stuff, and that's kind of how she makes her living. Surprised people are still giving her business since they think she's like a whore. Yeah, well, the embroidery that she does is so delicate and beautiful that the town sees it as fit to be worn even by the governor, despite its sinful source. Mm. Um, Hester's work therefore touches all major events of life except significantly marriage the town still feels that chaste brides might be polluted by contact with the products of Hester's hands that's hilarious and she has to wear an A even though she's just indoors yeah yeah oh my god it's like having to wear a mask when you're just indoors (laughs) oh my goodness all the while Hester is still lonely and isolated and feels the shame of her position deeply. She devotes a lot of time to charity work, but even though she helps insult her. They're like, I don't want your slut food. <laughs> we don't want your slut hands slutting it around around the kids. Slut. <laughs> That's how they talk in the Puritan days. Yeah. Um, Hester's one consolation is her daughter, who she named Pearl. Oh. Because she was, quote, purchased with all Hester had, her mother's only treasure. Oh. Yeah, nice. So for her part, Pearl is a defiant little child. Oh, no. The narrator suspects because, quote, in giving her existence, a great law had been broken. Yikes. <laughs> Pearl has inherited all of Hester's moodiness and passion, and she constantly makes mischief. Hester loves but worries about her child. Pearl is an outcast um, to the other children. They don't let her play with them. They don't let her play reindeer games. She makes dolls out of sticks and things. She's Lilo and Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So Pearl has like, does she have a lowercase a on her? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, like later on, um, they talk about how she's dressed in red. Like, oh. um, Hester dresses her in like beautiful red velvet and stuff. Um, like really gorgeous, not quite Puritan. Things. So she is kind of like a living embodiment of the letter A. You know, oh. she's she's the other mark. Ah. Um, the other children, the Puritans in training, <laughs> um, make believe their games are scalping Native Americans. No, what? Um, they play going to church. <laughs> Fun. And they also pretend to do witchcraft. 
I'm imagining literally those twins from the Babich. I know. They're so terrible. <laughs> I be the witch of the wood. <laughs> terrifying. It's the way they talk. Little I know. talk like that. And it's just, they're dressed too much for children. They have too many clothes on that children should <laughs> really, be wearing. Little adults. Little adult clothes. And it's just, it's too much. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pearl is fascinated by the scarlet letter on her mother's clothes. And at sometimes it seems to Hester that Pearl intentionally torments her by playing with it and touching it. Mm. She's like, look, mommy, you're a slut. <laughs> <laughs> She's already the living reminder that she's yeah. a slut. She doesn't need to rub it in, <laughs> Pearl. Pearl. One time when Pearl is pelting wildflowers at the A, like it's <laughs> dartboard or something, <laughs> Hester asks her, quote, child, what art thou? Pearl turns the question back on her mother, insisting that Hester tell her of her origins. Surprised at the impudence of a child so young, she's about like three at the time. Jesus. Yeah. Um. Hester wonders, and she's going like, "No, you mother, tell me of thine." <laughs> like, <laughs> creepy as heck. I know, like a little three-year-old, and you're just like, "Uh, what the fuck?" <laughs> Hester wonders if Pearl might not be the demon child that so many of the townsfolk believe her to be. Now, the gals pay a visit to Governor Bellingham with a purpose. The town has suggested taking Pearl away from her mother, especially um, as a lot of people suspect her to be some sort of demon child. So that's partly for like Hester's protection. On the other hand, if she's not a demon, she's a regular child. Maybe Hester, the sinful woman, isn't the right person to be bringing it up, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just leave them alone. Yeah, (laughs) truly. On their way over, Hester and Pearl are attacked by a group of children who try to fling mud at them. Pearl becomes angry, frightens the children off, and it's like this is kind of the rhythm of their life. Um, Or Pearl's life. That's not good. Being an outcast. The governor's mansion is built in the style of the English aristocracy, complete with family portraits and a suit of armor. With someone in there? has worn in battles with Native Americans. Oh. No, no one's in there. It's just hanging up. I thought it would be like Unless someone's fun, like hiding. fun hijinks. Someone's in the, <laughs> like, like her husband or something. Like her... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was picturing. <sighs> right. Pearl is fascinated by the armor. When she points out her mother's reflection in it, Hester is disturbed to see that the scarlet letter on her breast takes up most of the reflection. It's like the armor's going, you're a slut. <laughs> it's got like a magnifying bit, but only on the A. Yeah. Oh my um, Pearl begins to scream. She wants a rose from the bush outside the window, but she's quieted by the entrance of a group of men. So we've got the same three from before. Oh, yeah. Um, Bellingham, Wilson, and Dimmersdale, but also her husband, who's going by the name Chillingworth. What the fuck? Why is he there? He's the town doctor now. Oh my god, fuck that They dude. notice Pearl and begin to tease her by calling her a bird and a demon child. These are grown men. Yeah. These are grown men saying this to a child. Oh god, yeah. sorry. They ask Hester why she thinks she should be allowed to keep the child. She's like allowed to speak for herself. And she says that the child is her most important lesson. And also that she'll be able to pass on this lesson of shame to Pearl to stop her making the same mistake. Wilson asks Pearl who made the... Um, fishing for the answer god you know but um but getting nothing back from her she refuses to answer which worries the group just she might be a demon do we find out who the dad is 
I'm not telling you. I, I just, Stop reading ahead. You don't have to. You don't have to tell me who the dad is now. Yeah, we do. <laughs> nice. Got From, her. like really early on in the book. You what? With nowhere else to turn, Hester begs Dimmersdale, the young pious one, mm-hmm. to speak for me. He seems to be guilted into helping her and replies by reminding that the men that God sent Pearl and that the child was seemingly meant to be both a blessing and a curse. Blurs. Swayed by his eloquence, Bellingham and Wilson agree not to separate mother and child. Strangely, Pearl has taken well to Dimmersdale. She goes to him and presses her hand to his cheek. Uh oh. She sees kind of that he's on their side. Vexed because Hester seems to have Hang on. triumphed. She puts her hand on his cheek. Yeah, the little this, child. This child is Renesme from Twilight Breaking Dawn. <laughs> That's how she communicates with people. Oh my goodness. It always comes down. It always comes back to Twilight. <laughs> it does, truly. Every single Stephanie time. Stephanie Meyer is the Shakespeare of our generation. She really is. Oh, God bless her. Yeah. And well, I feel ill. Many children. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So Hester seems to have won here, and Chillingworth is a bit pissed. So he presses the men to reopen their investigation into the identity of Hester's lover. Oh, my God. But they're all like, eh, nah. Kind of um, over it. And they it. say, like, oh, I mean, God will reveal the information when it's like, when he feels like it's appropriate, <laughs> um, which is very convenient, isn't it? As Hester leaves the governor's mansion with Pearl, I presume, Mistress Pippins. <laughs> Pearl's in the suit of armor. <laughs> um, Mistress Hibbins, the governor's sister and local mad lady, hooks oh. her head out of the window to invite Hester to a witch's gathering in the woods. Fun, let's go. Hester tells her that if she had not been able to keep Pearl, she would have gone willingly. So it's almost like Pearl saved her mother from Satan. Oh. Um, Chillingworth, the husband, has decided to incorporate himself into society in the role of a doctor. When he can easily enough fill with all his learning, um, like he, he knows natural remedies from the time he spent with the Native Americans, and he's studied a lot in Europe and stuff, so he can, he can be a doctor. And because the townsfolk have very little access to medical care, because it's Boston and there's 12 people that live there... Um, in the 1600s, he's accepted immediately. They're very excited to have him. <laughs> They're just like, sure. Um, what what should I do about this gaping wound in my arm? <laughs> hey, Doc. <laughs> you ever seen a loose foot before? A <laughs> loose foot. <laughs> it's been chopped off. Hanging off. Yeah. Um. Interestingly, the town sometimes refers to the doctor as, quote, a leech. Um, which was a common epithet for physicians at the time. The idea was, like, you would put the leeches on and they would drain yeah. the bad blood. So it's like, that's what doctors do, I guess. <laughs> they suck onto their patients and suck out the rem- the ailment. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Puritans you got are... It. You got it in one. Fucking crazy. All right, let's go. Much of the community's concern, Reverend Dimmersdale has been suffering from severe health problems. He appears to be wasting away, and he frequently clutches at his chest as though his heart pains him. <laughs> because Dimmersdale refuses to marry any of the young woman, women who have devoted themselves to him, Chillingworth urges the town leadership to insist Dimmersdale allow the doctor to live with him. So he can, like, take care of him. Why doesn't, uh, D-Man marry? Dimmersdale? Yeah. I don't know. Loves God too much. But, like, doesn't God want him to marry and make other stupid children or something? Is that what God <laughs> wants? The two men, 
take rooms next to the cemetery in a widow's home, which gives them an opportunity for the contemplation of sin and death. Fun. Um, which is what you want when you're moving in with a bro. Yeah. Want to talk about sin and or death? I'm in. <laughs> the minister's room is hung with tapestries depicting biblical scenes of adultery and its punishment. While Chillingworth's room contains a laboratory that is quite sophisticated for its time. Um, as time passes, however, rumours have spread concerning Chillingworth's personal history and his face has begun to take on a look of evil. Ooh. A majority of the townspeople, which I capitalised for some reason, begin to suspect that Chillingworth is actually the black gentleman himself, the devil. Is it possible that the devil is just not around? Like, he's not interested in you guys? <laughs> not to these guys. And they think he's come to wage battle for Dimmersdale's soul. Oh my fucking god. You, oh. The devil there's, is doing too many- I can't iterate enough that there's no TV like, the devil's too busy doing sexy, cool things to bother with your boring-ass 12-people town, right? Yeah. He's eating sure. butter somewhere <laughs> and putting on He's pretty dresses. Butter, that's, that's how you, you know you've made it. And you just eat butter. <laughs> just straight. <laughs> so, one day, Demersdale questions Chillingworth as his doctor... Um, about an unusual-looking plant Chillingworth has in his uh, laboratory. He's got weed? Damn. <laughs> Chillingworth remarks that he found it growing on an unmarked grave and suggests that the dark weeds are the sign of the buried person's unconfessed sin. Oh, for fuck's sake. All right. <laughs> the two enter into an uncomfortable conversation about confession, redemption, and the notion of burying one's secret. Multiple secrets. Oh, the mayor fucked Esther. All right. As they speak, they hear a cry from outside. Through the window, they see Pearl dancing in the graveyard, hooking burrs onto the A on Hester's chest. <laughs> Stop your... Control your child. <laughs> when Pearl notices the two men, she drags her mother away, saying that the black man has already gotten the minister and that he must not capture them too. Ooh. Devil things that mm. children say. Chillingworth asks, is Hester Prynne the less miserable, do you think, for that scarlet letter on her breast? Dimmersdale answers, I do verily believe it. He believes that the acute pain of his own private suffering is far worse. Oh, poor you. <laughs> oh, yeah. bummer. There's a lot of that. It must needs be better, he says, for the sufferer to be free to show his pain, as this poor woman Hester is, than to cover it all up in his heart. Oh my fucking god. Then wear a fucking, I don't know, P for problems on your shirt. <laughs> P for problems. Uh, <laughs> like, That's fuck. our cartoon. <laughs> fuck this. I'm gonna sew P for problems onto all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the P for? Oh, you know. <laughs> Got problems. <laughs> I love that. Just a big red P. <laughs> Chillingworth begins to prod the minister more directly by inquiring about his spiritual condition, explaining that he thinks it is irrelevant to his physical health. He's like, maybe you're sick because you're sick on the inside. In your heart, not in your body. <laughs> <laughs> you're only licensed to deal with the body, Chillingworth. <laughs> Dimmersdale becomes agitated and tells Chillingworth that such matters are the concern of God and storms off. So basically <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> it's really me and God, you hack. <laughs> you quack. 
Alright. They make up later, however, and in the dead of one night, Chillingworth sneaks up to the priest's room in the middle of the night and pushes aside the shirt Dimmersdale is wearing, carefully without him waking up. What he sees there causes him to rejoice, but we aren't told what he sees. Does he have like a third nipple or something? What's happening? <laughs> and he rejoices. He's like, thank you, God. <laughs> thank God for this third nipple. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> it's from milk. However, the reverend is certainly tormented. He begins to have visions. In one, he sees Hester and Little Pearl in her scarlet garb. Hester points her forefinger first at the scarlet letter on her bosom and then at the clergyman's own breast. The minister understands that he's delusional. <laughs> Were you just doing it? Just then? <laughs> the Spider-Man thing. <laughs> um, you. The minister understands that he is delusional, but his psychological tumult leads him to assign great meaning to his delusions. Dimmersdale begins to torture himself physically. He whips himself. Ah, oh, dude, don't. I know. It's very intense. Um, he also fasts. Um, and he holds extended vigils, sleep sleep deprivation, torture, <laughs> on himself, during which he stays awake throughout the night, meditating upon his sin. Uh, no one is asking him to do this. <laughs> Apparently God is, but yeah, God's like, dude, chill. <laughs> <laughs> during one of these vigils, Dimmersdale seizes on an idea. He decides to hold a vigil on the scaffold where years before Hester suffered for her sin. Okay. So Dimmersdale mounts the scaffold. The pain oh. in his breast causes him to scream aloud. And he wonders that everyone in town um, will wake up and come to look at him and find him there. They just think it's like a stray cat. <laughs> they actually took it for a witch cackling oh. in the woods. Is, uh, is what we what we learn. Everything to them is a witch or the devil. That's like, if anything's a little out of the ordinary, they're like, witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Apparently Martin Luther, who lived it around this time, or a little bit earlier, thought it was the devil that made him fart. 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 Yeah. Like. With his butt. Yeah. He, he thought that was the devil. Oh my god. That means I've got the devil dancing in me all along. Oh, it's the, <laughs> it's the cheese. <laughs> there you go. Oh, have you tried cheese? He, the it was oh, the devil. It was. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh my god. Okay. He starts to lose it up. A little up there on the scaffold. He sees Reverend Wilson, the older older Reverend, mm. walking past. And though he thinks he calls out to the man, he doesn't actually. It's almost like in a dream and you think you're like, you know, that kind of thing. Whatever. Wilson is on his way from the deathbed of Governor Winthrop, the colony's first governor. Oh. Um, and he actually passes without noticing Dimsdale up there on the scaffold. And Dimsdale begins to fantasize what if the whole town could see their most holy minister standing up in this place of public shame. Oh. You know, it's all me, me, me. It really is. Uh, Dimsdale laughs aloud. And a laugh from Pearl echoes back. Oh, ooh. She and her mother have also been at Winthrop's deathbed because Hester has made a burial robe for the man. Oh, okay. Dimsdale invites them up on the scaffold with him, and they yeah. actually do join him up there. <laughs> the three hold hands, forming an electric chain. The minister feels energized and warmed by their presence. Paul innocently asks, Will thou stand here with mother and me tomorrow noontide? <laughs> Want to hang out here 12 p.m. tomorrow? We'll do this again. <laughs> the minister replies, Not now, child, but at another time. <laughs> when she presses him to name that time, he answers, At the great judgment day. Oh, Jesus. 
Suddenly, a meteor brightens the dark sky, what? momentarily illuminating their surroundings. Um, this is science fiction. Are you fiction? looking for the meteor? <laughs> Sam's turning around and like looking for the. <laughs> it's not here. It's in the I, book. I just there was no meteor in Easy A. <laughs> so could you? <laughs> It's turned into, like, sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> when okay. the minister looks up, he thinks he sees an A in the sky, marked out in the dull red light. At the same time, Pearl points to a figure that stands in the distance beyond in the marketplace, watching them. Oh. It's Roger Chillingworth. Oh, my God. Dimmersdale asks Hester who Chillingworth really is, because the man occasions in him what he calls... Quote, a nameless horror. Who? Um, Hester has obviously sworn to secrecy and can't reveal her husband's identity. He made a promise before. So she's like, oh, I don't know. Um, Pearl says that she knows, but when she speaks into the minister's ear, it's just childish gibberish. She's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> she really oh, thinks that's really funny. Pearl is so good. <laughs> She's like, I got something for you. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Sucker. Dimsdale asks if she intends asks if she intends to mock him, and she replies that she is punishing him for his refusal to stand in public with her and her mother. Yeah, they were gonna hang out there at noon tomorrow. Remember? And he was like, "No, nah, no, nah, only when I don't know Terminator yeah. Two Judgment Day happens." Oh, we had very different references. She said. <laughs> Chillingworth invites Dimsdale down saying that um, he must have sleepwalked up onto the scaffold um, admitting that he too was on his way back from Winthrop's deathbed and that's how he came across them Mm. so Dimsdale and Chillingworth return home the following day the minister preaches his most powerful sermon to date Oh, I know Uh, after the sermon the church sexton hands Dimsdale a black glove that was found on the scaffold the sexton recognized it as the minister's, but concluded only that Satan must have been up to some mischief. <laughs> They're like, Satan like, oh, dropped I think your Satan glove. stole your glove, mister. <laughs> he missed it. <laughs> oh. Leave, uh, Satan's busy, all right? He's all fucking around with you guys. He's busy. There's other <laughs> He's things happening. He's currently involved in a massacre in South America. Yeah, he's busy. Um, the sexton then reveals another startling piece of information. He says that there had been a report of a meteor falling last night in the shape of a letter A. The, so that really happened? The meteor was A-shaped? Well, maybe there were like three meteors and they went in directions and made like an A. Okay, All right, that's fine. Okay. One meteor went sideways. It's all good. The ta- Sorry, the townspeople have interpreted it as having nothing to do with either Hester or Dimmersdale. Rather, they believe uh, it to stand for Angel and take it as a sign that the late governor has gone to heaven. Sorry? They really interpret things weird over there. They just do what they want, don't they? They're like, the curtains are blue yeah. because Satan said so. That's kind of the point of this whole book. <laughs> God damn it! Everyone's just doing what they want. Except for Hester. Yeah, poor thing. Um, we skipped to seven years after Pearl's birth, so she's a seven-year-old now. Thank God. Enough Hester is even more active in society. She brings food to the poor. She nurses the sick. She's still often scorned. However, the general attitude of the town towards her has softened, and people even interpret the A on her chest to mean, like, able. 
<laughs> able to help you <laughs> um, rather than adulterer. So that's nice. Instead of whore, it's just maid now. <laughs> yeah. Hester, for her part, is no longer a tender young woman, but, quote, a barren, harsh outline um, of her former self. Oh. Yeah. Hester has begun to grow worried about Chillingworth's effect on the Reverend after seven years. (laughs) (laughs) She she was like, hang on. (laughs) Um, She resolves to ask him to quit it. (laughs) Hey, Hey, quit it. Um, when Hester approaches him, he tells her with a smirk that he's heard good tidings for her. Um, in fact, the town fathers have recently considered allowing her to remove the scarlet letter for good behavior. Oh, nice. Parole. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hester, however, rebuffs Chillingworth's insincere friendliness. Um, and she says that the letter cannot be removed by human authority and only divine providence. And when God's ready, he'll make it fall from her chest oh. um, when, when he wants it to. Okay. She says she I guess she's just tired of like people fucking with her <laughs> and telling her what to do. She says she wants to tell the minister the truth about Chillingworth's identity. Nice. Um and it is clear at this point that Chillingworth knows with certainty that Dimmersdale was Hester's lover and the father of Hester's child. Um, as we've all sort of worked out by now. Um oh. and Hester knows he knows. Oh, I, what That's was his guilt that he's what was, about. So what was on this chest? Was it a hickey? And that's why he was like, yes! <laughs> um, like, yeah, the narrator never says, I personally believe that it's the letter A that he carved into his own flesh. Oh, uh, out of guilt? Yeah. That makes sense, actually. That's what I feel like fits in with his character. It does. But it, it's obviously left open to interpretation. I, I say it's a hickey. <laughs> like a <laughs> three-year-old that, hickey. Valid. That's equally valid. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, or like a tattoo and it's like Hester, like, you know, the, the mom tattoo. <laughs> you know, I love her with a arrow. <laughs> yeah. um, Chillingworth is, a change comes over his face and for a second he becomes the very embodiment of evil. Nice. Um, and then he suddenly like realizes this is happening and he like regrets it. And he's like, oh man. Gotta get my devil face when off. I was a good guy. <laughs> Remember when I was your husband, scholar? your secret husband? And he actually blames her for transforming him into a vengeful fiend. Sure. He's like, do you know that this is all your fault? And she's like, okay. <laughs> At this point, why not? <laughs> um, as he walks away, Hester realizes she hates him, even though it's technically a sin to hate your husband. Oh, fuck's sake. It's not her real husband anymore. It's a, it's a sin that he's doing identity fraud. <laughs> Thou shalt not. It's on the list. <laughs> Thou shalt not throw this identist. <laughs> she and Pearl go down to the seashore where Pearl, pretending to be a mermaid, has put eelgrass on her chest. Um, like seaweed is what I'm guessing that is. Eelgrass. Um, on her own little chest in the shape of an A. Oh, no. Um, that's one good. that is freshly green instead of scarlet. She's like dressing up as a mum, mermaid version of her mum. That's not good. Hester asks whether Pearl understands the meaning of the symbol on her mother's chest. And Pearl connects the letter to the Reverend's frequent habit of placing his hand over his heart. Unlike he's being pained mm. in his heart. Is the Reverend or cute? Or has he just carved something in his chest? Sorry? Is the Reverend cute? Because he sounds old, but I'm guessing he's... He's young, but he's weak and sickly, is the mm. way he's described. And, like, it's said that a bunch of girls in this town have crushes on him. Oh, yeah, he doesn't want to marry. he's non-threatening. Yeah. 
I imagined him kind of, you know, the guy who played Elton in Emma? <laughs> that's kind of how I imagined him. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's good. That was a stupid frame with the music. <laughs> you know, just a bit like wet. A bit, <laughs> a bit weak. Wet? You described- wet is like an old fashioned English way of saying like wimpy. Okay, I, okay. You know, like limp. Sure. <laughs> I guess it's I'm, I'm, I am learning too much about your marriage today for my liking. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> quit it. <laughs> hey, quit it. She like um, has a skateboard. She's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So she, Pearl's like, uh, is it for the same reason that the reverend puts his hand over his heart? And, and has just like, no. <laughs> um, but Don't ask. Just, too unnerved by how close Pearl is to the truth, but she still decides not to explain it to her as she's still too young. She, ha- she would have to explain sex first, probably, and then that yeah. would be a whole can of worms. That's too much, yeah. Do it later. Yeah, for the moment, yeah. we'll just... Don't worry about it. Um, Hester's now resolved to tell Dimmersdale the truth about who Chillingworth really is. So she waits for him in the forest because she heard he often goes for walks there on his way to and from a native settlement where one of the men there is a convert to Christianity. Chillingworth's gonna fucking murder her, man. Alright, keep going. As they walk, the dappled sunlight seems to avoid them. It's like they just miss it when the sun's out. They... Um, it... it, uh, Like, they step into it and then the cloud comes over or whatever. Pearl runs ahead saying, Mother! And this is, again weird because she's so young mother said little pearl the sunshine does not love you it runs away and hides itself because it is afraid of something on your bosom it will not flee from me for i wear nothing on my bosom yet fuck this bitch fuck this haunted child she's the devil (laughs) um as they wait for dimsdale to arrive uh, to appear they sit by a little brook pearl asks hester to tell her about the black man (laughs) Stop and asking. his connection to the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> Apparently, Pearl overheard an old woman discussing Mistress Hibbins. You'll remember the witch mm-hmm. from before. Um, and others' midnight journeys to the woods. Apparently, according to this old woman, the Scarlet Letter is the mark of the black man. Mm. Um, a figure emerges from the woods. It's, it's Dimmersdale. Ooh. Pearl asks... If it is the black man. And. <laughs> what? What? Sorry, it's just like. That they called it bl- a black man. That's fine, racism. They, they, they could have called him the dark gentleman. Or something a little less racially charged. Oh. You know how much they love controversy. <laughs> yeah, and those, you know so how much they hate black people too, so. So much. But they didn't, they didn't know any at this point. They hated the Native Americans enough. They sure did. Um, Pearl asks if it is the black man who is approaching them. And Hester, wanting privacy with the reverend, urges Pearl to go play in the woods. She's like, go find a stick. But Pearl, scared and curious, wants to stay. Um, Hester exasperatedly says, it is no black man, it is the minister. Anyway, they sit down by a tree and join hands, Dimmersdale and Hester. She tells him the truth about Chillingworth. He's like, how could you do this to me? Everything is your fault. Who says that? She (laughs) says that. Oh, fucking hell. All right. She begs him not to be mad at her and hugs his face to her scarlet letter. So, you know, like smothering him in Mm -hmm. her boobs. 
Fair enough. Um, Motorboating. Giving, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they end up actually planning to run away together to Europe. Oh. So that's cute. Yeah. Take pro with them, I guess. Yeah, they're the devil child. But and this partly because they're both worried Chillingworth is going to expose um, the minister publicly. Mm. Which I don't know why they're so stressed about that. I mean, like, Ooh. she was exposed publicly. Yeah. He could just be like, nah, it wasn't me. And she'll be like, nah, it wasn't him. Mm. Done. And, like, is it really so bad if he sees some consequences for his actions? Or It is, because he's a man. <laughs> I know, right? Hester is so excited, she actually tears the scarlet letter from her chest and flings it into the trees. Wow. Yeah. After she does it, she's, it seems as if she's regained some of the beauty of her youth. Hester is suddenly super excited for father and daughter to know one another, so she calls Pearl over, who's been playing with forest creatures. Oh no. Pearl refuses to come, pointing at the empty place where the scarlet letter had been and screaming. Oh. Hester has to pin the letter back on before she'll come to her mother. Oh my god, okay. It's like when dads shave their beards and babies like start crying. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, in Hester's arms, Pearl kisses her and, seemingly out of spite, kisses the letter. <laughs> Hester tries to encourage Pearl to embrace Dimmersdale too, though she doesn't tell her he's her father. Pearl asks, will he go back with us hand in hand, we three together, into the town? No, stop it. Stop trying <laughs> to get like not. a Mexican wave coming. <laughs> because he says no, when he kisses her on the forehead, she rushes to the stream and attempts to wash it off. <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. It's exactly what she said. On his way home, Dimmersdale can hardly believe the new energy and excitement his change in fortunes bring. You know, usually he's a sickly, sickly yeah. old dude. Man, Chillingworth's gonna fucking have a field day. He's gonna kill these three. <laughs> Hester become has become acquainted with a ship in town through her charity work that's bound to depart for England in four days. Dope. They've decided they're gonna put, book passage on board. Um... Dimsdale's really pleased, actually. This is quite convenient because it will give him time to deliver his very special Election Day sermon. <laughs> um, election Day is a religious as well as civil holiday that marks the opening of the year's legislative session. Exciting. Just leave. Um, and he thinks it's a, it'll be a fitting end to his career in the church before he fucks off. All right. Dimsdale passes some church elders and can barely contain his urge to utter blasphemies to them. <laughs> He's just like walking down the street like God isn't real. Fuck shit. <laughs> like the boogie night no no Saturday night fever walk with the paint cans. <laughs> That's him. Yeah. Um and then more stuff. He um he encounters an elderly woman who's looking for a small tidbit of spiritual comfort comfort. To her, he nearly blurts out a devastating, unanswerable argument against the immortality of the human soul. But something stops him. <laughs> he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, I still Next, got four days, man. he a young woman who he's recently converted to the church because he fears that this strange state of mind will lead him to plant some corrupting gem in her innocent heart. Sure. Then he meets one of the ship sailors and wants to swear with him for a little while. <laughs> they just sit down and they're like, ah, some, shit. Then he passes a gang of children and he, and he narrowly avoids teaching them naughty words. What is happening? Okay. Um... He's just... He feels like he's possessed by the devil, although he's probably just excited. Yeah, he, he, it's the first time <laughs> he's like, felt anything in so long. <laughs> Other than shame, I guess. Mm. <laughs> Is this the Finally, third act? 
Sorry? Is this the third act? Is this... Getting there, yeah. Um, finally, Dimsdale runs into Mistress Hibbins, the boss-ass witch lady. She chuckles at him and offers herself as an escort the next time he visits the forest. Ooh. This interchange disturbs Dimsdale and suggests to him that he may have unwittingly made a bargain. Bargain. Bargle. <laughs> bargle. I love a good bargle. With Mistress Hibbins' master, um, who is obviously the devil. And no one's punishing her for some reason, I guess, because she's rich. I know. I was just going to say that when you said she was, like, the witch. I'm like, why is she not up on the scaffold getting yeah. taunted? I don't know. It's all hypocritical, isn't it? When he gets home, Dimsdale informs Chillingworth that he doesn't need any medicine anymore. And Chillingworth is like, fine, but suspicious. <laughs> Dimsdale has already started to write the sermon he is expected to deliver. In oh, It just occurred to me, what if Chillingworth's actually poisoning him? I know, Munchausen... Mun- yeah, Munchausen him by proxy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Taking him so long, though. It's like seven years now. <laughs> really. Yeah, he's just... You know, dragging it out for fun. Yeah, tiny little drops of antifreeze. And that's why he's, like, so weak and... and I know! That's what I was thinking. But maybe, yeah. Anyway, he's writing the sermon, and it's just like, fuck yeah, I'm going. Yeah. He's like, he throws his former manuscript in the fire and writes, like, a new one. (laughs) He's like, oh, it's a new day. Everyone be good to each other. (laughs) New day, new me. So the holiday, um, election day brings another gathering into the marketplace. This time, the purpose is to celebrate the installation of a new governor, not to slut-chain Hesteprin. Thank God. Enough of that. It's a weird... Yeah, enough of that. So it's a weird mix of Puritan and Elizabethan, like, austere, but also there's still, like, pageantry. Um, Among the townsfolk are Native Americans and sailors from the ship who are going to take Hester Pearl and Dimmesdale away to Europe. Pearl asks her mother again why the Reverend won't acknowledge them when other people are around. Hester is daydreaming. (laughs) She just ignores her, I guess. She's daydreaming about her escape. However, her reverie is shattered when the captain of the ship reveals to her that a physician from the town has also booked passage aboard the ship. Oh, leave me alone! (laughs) (laughs) Enough. This... Uh, doctor has apparently told them he's a member of Hester's party. No, he's not. He most decidedly is not. She looks up to see him smirking at her from across the he marketplace. He Presumably doing like a little wave with his fingers, like hey. He keeps smirking. I just want to fucking punch him. Um, now the procession of officials makes its way through the marketplace. There are armored soldiers, followed by uh, a group of the town fathers, very dour and dreary. Although only a few days have passed since he kissed her forehead in the forest. Pearl doesn't even recognize Demisdale when he walks past in the procession. How? Why? Because he's so different and aloof and probably wearing some floofy robes. Oh yeah, and she's like, who that? Badass bitch, uh, the Vavitch, Mistress Hibbins. Yeah. Uh, very elaborately dressed with, like, a triple ruff and a heavily embroidered stomacher. Which is that, like, triangle section on the front of the mm-hmm. the gown. She comes to talk to Hester about Dimmersdale, saying that she knows those who serve the black van. Mistress Hibbins refers to what she calls the minister's mark and declares that it will soon, like Hester's, be plain to all. Oh, no. Suggesting that the devil is Pearl's real father. 
Mistress Hibbins invites the child to go on a witch's ride with her at some point in the future. No. <laughs> Which sounds super fun. Why is why is this allowed? So she's not allowed to sleep around because her husband could be possibly dead. But then this crazy lady who's like, I want to ride a fucking well, broom with me. Well, she's the sister of the governor. So That's funny. Yeah. Oh, oh but the narrator interrupts his narration oh. of the celebration to note that Mistress Hibbins will soon be executed as a witch. Oh, what? In this very town square. Oh, my goodness. So, Vale, you crazy bitch. When is you. that? Is that... In the near He's future? He's just like, soon this is going to happen. Just in case y'all were wondering. We were. But not right now. Okay. We were. So thanks for that. Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Sounds like a kind of guy you could steal lunch money from. Nathaniel. It, it just reminds me of um, in- Enchanted, you know, because that's the, um, <laughs> that's Timothy Spall's name. And oh, is it? Nathaniel? That's funny. Yeah. So th- that's all I'm thinking of. Just him. But also he's the Beatle in Sweeney Todd, so he's in dual roles right now. <laughs> Hester waits at the foot of the scaffold to listen to the sermon, which has commenced inside the meeting house. Pearl, who has been wandering around the marketplace unsupervised, comes back to tell her mother that Chillingworth has taken it upon himself to secure the travel arrangements for Dimmersdale, so she only needs to worry about herself and the child. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. <laughs> Suddenly, Hester realizes that everyone around her is staring at her. Oh, no. Dimmersdale has finished his election day sermon, focusing on the relationship between God and the communities of mankind. Oh, no. It's so funny. I almost wasn't going to include that, but then I thought, what if Sam asks me what the sermon was about? <laughs> I wasn't, <laughs> so I wrote it down. Wasn't gonna, but thanks. You're welcome. He proclaims that the people of New England will be chosen by God, and everyone is super moved by that. That's, that's something we all love to hear. Oh, as people f- start to file out, Dimsdale hesitates, turning towards the scaffold. He calls Pearl and Hester to join him up there. <gasps> he declares to the crowd that God has led him there. So he leans on Hester for support because he's very sickly. Again. Maybe with poison. Maybe. With, um, maybe. And he begins his confession, calling himself, quote, the one sinner of the world. Afterwards, he stands upright without Hester's help and tells everyone that he, like Hester, has a stigma. With the last of his earthly strength, oh. Dimmersdale tears away his floofy ministerial robes. <laughs> Grandmother, it's me. <laughs> Anastasia. Anastasia. <laughs> um, but he reveals, through tearing open his robes on his chest, um, a sort of mark, which the narrator refuses to describe still. Oh, for fuck's sake. We know it's an A. <laughs> and then he sinks to the scaffold. The crowd recoils. Uh, Chillingworth cries out, Thou hast escaped me! <laughs> Which is very Scooby-Doo of him. <laughs> if it wasn't for you and those meddling kids. Pearl finally bestows a kiss on Dimmersdale. Hester holds him. She asks him whether they will spend their afterlives together. And he responds that God will decide. He bids her farewell and dies. <laughs> Thank God. Imagine knowing you're like dying. You're just like, see ya. <laughs> He's passed away. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the narrator takes a step back and tells us what happened after these events in the way that like a documentary will have like little written stuff. Yeah, oh my God. What happened? So and so now lives in a house on the seashore with her husband or whatever, you know. Apparently, most people couldn't agree on what they saw that day. <laughs> A lot saw a red A, like Hester's. Mm. 
Some thought it was Chillingworth's magic. Others um, from the minister's self-torture, like he carved it in himself or something. Which is what I think. Yeah. Um, or is it, it just appeared, it manifested itself from his remorse? No. <laughs> now, others say that there, were nothing on, there was nothing on his chest. They were too far back in the seats. They couldn't see. <laughs> they're just like... Cheap seats. They're just like, I don't know, I can't, nah. Chillingworth, with no one to take revenge on, wastes away and dies within a year. <laughs> leaving a sizable inheritance to Pearl. Nice. Hester and Pearl disappear on an adventure. In their absence, the story of the Scarlet Letter turns into a legend. One year, Hester returns alone and resumes her charity work. It's rumoured that I think Pearl marries someone rich in Europe. Good for her. Just, yeah, I know. And just lives her life. Thank God. Um, why would fucking... Why would Hester come back to the slut-shamey town? I don't know. Maybe she likes it. She's used to it. By the time of her death, the A which she still wears has lost any stigma it still had. She's buried next to Dimsdale, but far enough away from him to suggest that the dust... The, quote, the dust of the two sleepers had no right to mingle, even Aww. in death. Aww. However, they do share a headstone. Oh. There's the scarlet letter A oh. on a black background. And that is the end of the story of the scarlet letter. It's like the Da Vinci Code, but nothing happens at all. <laughs> the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> Oh, it's no. Like the bitch. I was thinking of the Da Vinci Code because he was like self-flagellating and I was just thinking oh, about yeah, Paul Bettany. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. But, um. Ooh, it's a short one. It really was. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think about it? It, like it? Um, it's, it's, no one dies in Easy A, so I'm just so confused. I don't think it's Easy <laughs> A is actually based on it. She wore <laughs> the A, the Easy A. She wore it. Mm-hmm. It was there. It was red. She did. Because they were studying the Scarlet Letter. Yeah. She had, know, she had on lingerie. In Emma Stone's shoes. So when does Demi Moore take all the baths then? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Nowhere in the book does she take <laughs> that many baths. Just tormenting say your mom. It. She's like, hi, mommy. Say what? Say it. No, she's got nothing. Twink. Oh, oh she scratched <laughs> my chest. Oof. Wait, what does it look like? <laughs> oh my god. Pee. <laughs> Pee for problems. 